Hey, what's up? It's me, David, host of the First Four Years podcast. Carving out your own path as a creative professional or an entrepreneur is not just a simple to follow process. It's an unfolding journey of self-discovery, learning, and development. So think of this podcast as a journal of that process, what it's really like in the early phase of starting out and building your own path as a creative today. And if you're coming with me on that journey, let's take that next step forward. Welcome to the first four years. Hey, hey, welcome back to the first four years. Today's episode is an interview with Charlie Prangley of Charlie Marie TV. This is a popular YouTube vlog about graphic design, working at a remote startup, um, and a bit of her lifestyle as well. And there's two reasons, uh, I guess there's three reasons that I wanted to bring Charlie on the show. The first is she was in LA. She was uh, hosting a panel at VidCon, which is the big once a year YouTube conference where the YouTubers descend on the city and make videos. Um, and so she was a panelist there. And so we talk a little bit about her experience going to VidCon and also being on a panel. And what I really want to get to with Charlie in this conversation is two things that she does very well that I think we could learn something from. The first is consistency. For the last four years, Charlie has showed up and created a video for her audience on YouTube and uh, eventually has built that up to 50,000 subscribers that watch her videos. And she's done it every week without fail for the last four years. The second thing that I like about Charlie and that I think she does a great job with is engagement. She comments and has conversations with a lot of her subscribers. She's very down to earth. She's very vulnerable. And I think she has a very natural sense for how to be somebody that you can connect with online. And I think we can learn something from that as well. So I'm excited to share this uh, conversation with you. And without further ado, here is my chat with Charlie from Charlie Marie TV. And you just got back from three days at a VidCon? Yes, it feels like longer though. <laughs> I totally believe that. And from what I can tell, it's a bunch of people who are YouTube celebrities, essentially talking about their experience on stage and uh, partying at a hotel. That's yeah, sort of pretty what I much. gathered as Although, well. Although what I like about VidCon is that recently I've been including a lot of people who have smaller channels as well, like mine. Mm. So there's a lot of people who have less than 100,000 subscribers and they're still on panels and like able to share advice, which is awesome. Super interesting. And yeah. did you talk, I know you spoke some with uh, the organizers of VidCon because you actually hosted a panel. Was that like a concerted effort by their team as a strategy to bring in people with smaller channels? And if so, like what made them make that decision? I'm just curious to hear about that. I think it might've been an effort because I know I definitely wrote it on a feedback form from the first time I went just as an attendee and I know a few other people did as well that we want to hear from people who aren't necessarily big and like have made it but from people who are still on that journey you know yeah and so well, that's perfect yeah. for the first four years which is a show about people who are on the journey yes. and who are in the first <laughs> four years and today I want to talk some about consistency and hitting a rhythm as an artist because I feel like for me with Death of the Stock Photo, probably the best decision I ever made starting out was saying the first of every month, I ship an email to my audience. And since July 2013, I've never missed an email out to the audience on the first of the month. And 
honestly, it's like that one decision alone feels like the thing that helped me get to where I am today because the consistency and just having to show up. So that's why I want to talk about some today. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you've been ultra consistent with your YouTube channel, (laughs) which is now over 50,000 subscribers. So congrats. Um, You should definitely go check it out uh, if you're listening to the show and I'll link it in the show notes. But Charlie talks about uh, design, what it's like working at ConvertKit, which is your current gig. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually checked out your first ever video (laughs) before you showed up today. So I figure we could start there. I'm not sure if this is your first ever video. Yeah, guess what? My first ever video is privated. Okay. All right. That's what I figured because, yeah, the first video that I saw on your channel, which was October 2013. Yeah. And it was actually a fashion-based uh, video. Huh. Um, so what was the first video like? If you, right. if you don't mind, we don't all have to see it. I know it's private, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about that first video yeah. and what it felt like to make, yeah, make it and how you got started out with that. So my first video was like just a welcome to my channel. And it was just me talking about myself and what kind of content that people could expect to see mm-hmm. on it. And I took it down because it was called Welcome to Charlie Marie TV, which is my channel name. And I didn't want people to watch that and expect that that's what my channel was like, like that that was a good representation of it because I've grown a lot like as a video maker since then and being comfortable on camera. Yeah. (laughs) And so I don't feel like it was a good representation anymore. And when you started out, so roughly when was that? I saw the last video on the feed was October 2013. Yeah, it was October 2013, like the start of that month. And it's been like, like you with deciding to post on the first of every month, send the email to your... Mm -hmm your subscribers, I decided that I was going to post at least once a week and I've done it since October, 2013. That's amazing. There's been a video every single weekend and most weeks there's been an extra video on Tuesday or Wednesday as well. Wow. Yeah. And when you started that first video and you made the first welcome to Charlie Marie TV, (laughs) what did you think the channel was going to be for your subscribers? And what did you think the channel was going to be for you? I mean, was it... Yeah something where you had a vision for it and you knew how it was going to progress over time or was it just like an urge to make something? For me, I started watching a lot of YouTube and when I started getting into it and watching people's lives, I thought it was quite cool and very different from traditional media that I had tended to watch before where it's like you're watching celebrities who are acting and reading scripts, you know, or even reality TV and quote marks because it's not really real and that's all directed as well. Sure. Whereas YouTube is actual people and their actual lives. And so I started looking for people like me, I guess. I was like, I want to see what some other designers are up to around the world. Like, what are their lives like? And it was really hard to find designers on YouTube who weren't just making tutorials, you know, recording their screen and doing a voiceover, telling people how to do something. I was like, I understand the software side. I want to see what your life is like. And, you know, what do you get up to on a daily basis? What's your process like? And so I thought, well, maybe I could make a channel and maybe that's what I could talk about and show people. Totally. And so that's been my aim was to make videos about life as a designer, I guess. Yeah. And so it started with that curiosity of what are other people's lives like, but then realizing you couldn't really figure that out because not many other people were doing it. And so you said, okay, I'll fill that space and I'll be a voice that other people Mm. can then find. Um, And since then, there's been lots of other design channels pop up, which is awesome. Because uh, now I am getting to see what other designers are up to yeah. you know, in their daily life. Right, yeah. and probably make friends with them and Definitely. start to interact and, yeah. and build your own network. Yeah. It's interesting that you kind of started out and you thought YouTube is a channel where there's not celebrities and therefore yeah. I can find people who are real. <laughs> and now you're at VidCon, yeah. <laughs> which sort of YouTube ended up creating celebrities. And so it's almost like the same 
process happened again mm. where YouTube has celebrities now. And so maybe, but people still have this urge like you to uh, hear from people in the beginning phase. And that's why FidCon sounds like uh, made an intentional call to bring in some YouTubers with smaller following. So I think yeah. it's kind of interesting that that pattern sort of played out again, even after the market filled with a lot more people making stuff. Yeah, what's interesting about YouTube celebrity, you know, the whole concept of it. Have you met a that, lot? Have you met yeah, a lot? Okay, yeah. cool. And a lot of them are just normal people. Sure. Some of them, I'm going to say, are quite different to how they appear in their videos. And a lot of them now are brands, you know, where they've got a whole team of people creating this thing that looks like it was just made in their bedroom. So, yeah, I guess things change when you when you get that much bigger. But yeah. the interesting thing is they're still posting the, on the exact same platform that anyone else can post on, you know. And that's what I really like about YouTube is that anyone does have a chance. Totally. And like, yes, you're going to be more successful if your videos look great sound great and you've got you know something interesting to talk about but really it's a pretty even playing field as to who's going to get picked up or not it's not about who you know like it is with the traditional media industry you know having totally. to be the directors or whatever well i yeah. find that we all face a not i wouldn't say an equally different uh problem but the we all have this opportunity to publish online yet it's so scary to do so. So yeah. even though there's way more options for places to post, there's Twitter, YouTube, Vine, all these outlets, there's still something that can hold you back, and that's the doubt and the fear. Mm. Uh, and so did you ever have anything like that come up a lot in the early days? Did you feel like other people's videos were so much better than yours when you're starting out and it made you paralyzed a little bit to posting, or was it just dive in and grow and... Do you know what the funny thing is? Because I knew I wanted to start making design videos, right? It was my whole goal when starting YouTube. But for some reason, I had a lot of imposter syndrome yeah. with making design videos and talking about my design process because I was like, what if I'm not correct? What if this is not the right way to do it? And then I'm accidentally teaching other people the wrong thing. And I don't know, I felt a lot of responsibility there. And I still do to some extent, but maybe not so much anymore because I've just gotten used to it. Mm -hmm. But when I first started making videos, like you said, the first one you saw of mine back on the channel was uh, a fashion video. I used to make a lot of different content and like sneak a design video in every now and then. So it was sort of like, you sure. know, testing the waters, I suppose. <laughs> and whenever I'd post a design video, people would unsubscribe from my channel. And that was really disheartening for a long time because I was like, this is the videos I want to make though. Like I want to be talking about this stuff. Right. But over time, I guess, just sticking with it and posting more and more design videos, I've grown the right audience, like the, the right people have found me. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. And what you're talking about is potentially the thing that amplifies that fear of posting, which is there's comments. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> I think it's definitely the case that everybody has an opportunity to post online and it's a wide open playing field. It's even for all people, but there's this fear that maybe stops you from posting, and then that's amplified by the comment section. So yeah. we don't have to stick on this for very long, but I'm <laughs> curious, have how have the comments affected um, your production of videos? And so, you know, we, we both talked about how we set a schedule for ourselves and yep. kept to it. You know, did these comments drive you in a certain direction and make you want to post more, post less? Yeah, this is an interesting topic. Mostly for me, I'm very blessed to have a very kind audience who uh, I try and reply to all my comments anyway. So I'm always like in there replying to people and I feel like that encourages some good discussion. So usually the comments on my videos are actually just like conversation rather than just nice video, you know, that sort of, you know, empty statement thing. So for the most part, my comments are a good space and that's where I get a lot of ideas for my videos. 
but uh, there's one particular video that I posted that has had a lot of negative comments. Uh-oh. It was a review of a Microsoft Surface Book computer. <laughs> of course, the yeah. Apple Microsoft conversation. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of people commenting, telling me that I didn't know what I was talking about, that I was an idiot, and wow, really getting quite personal with it. <laughs> and yeah, that has definitely made me question how much I want to talk about tech things in my mm. videos, which I don't think is, I don't know. I'm annoyed at myself that I am being put off by that because I know there was also a lot of comments from people who have said, this is really helpful because I'm a designer and I was considering this, but you know, I currently use an Apple. So I was wondering what it would be like to switch. And so they valued hearing my thoughts on it, but the negative comments just always stick out much more sure. than the positive ones. Right? Like I think it yeah. takes I probably would take about 10 positive comments to counteract a negative one, maybe even more. I totally understand that. There's been countless times where you've sent an email and gotten, you know, just email after email that was so kind. And then sometimes it's not even rational, but the things people say back, you're just like, I mean, you're producing these for free. You're trying to help people. Our email list is free. We're trying to help people. And it's just amazing what people will say back. And yeah, it's very easy to get attached to those few negative comments uh, I almost feel like you want to build up like a library that you save of just the positive ones. Just yeah, to, to like, look back on. Yeah, dip mm-hmm. back into. And you just had, so I, I do want to hear some about the uh, comments and how you respond to your audience because yeah. I'm assuming that's been a key part of how people feel like they connected to you, you know, alongside you just showing your day-to-day life. I mm. think that's an easy way for someone to connect with you on the internet, but you go a step further and comment. So I want to talk about that some and then how that actually translated to a meetup that you had yeah. uh, in New York City, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, do you want to talk just a little bit about the comments section and how important is that to you in the overall scheme of YouTube and also connecting with your fans? Mm. So for me, the comments are really important because I don't want my videos to be like a one-way conversation where I'm just talking to my audience or talking at them even which is what I feel it would be if I wasn't inviting any response, you know. Mm-hmm. So in my videos, I often encourage people to leave their own thoughts on the subject in, in the description box. Sometimes because I vlog my week, so I'll just like, you know, film what I'm up to that week. I'll ask them how their week has been. And it's always nice when people write me a few paragraphs telling me about it. That yeah. You know, it feels like it is more of a two-way street. And that's really important for me because I don't want my channel to be all about me. Like I want it to be about building up the design industry and young designers in general. And so, yeah, well, yeah. you're, you're a voice in a bigger conversation is yeah. sort of what you're saying. And then because of what you're doing, you can invite other people into that conversation. So it's like, Hey, there's this design thing happening. There's remote work. I'm going to talk about that and share my opinion, but you guys have equally valuable opinions and I want to hear that too. And let's all have this discussion. And I think you, I'm sure you come off that way in the videos as well, which is, I don't know all the answers, but I am going to tell you about my own personal experience. And I think that's something that people can connect to for sure. Yeah, I think so too. And I try and keep the conversation going on Twitter as well as Mm. my social network of choice. I'm not very good at Facebook or, you know, messages on Instagram or Snapchat or any of that. But Twitter is my thing. And I always try and reply to tweets or I've got my direct messages open. Often have people messaging me with, I don't know, like decisions they're having to make about design school and they oh, want my awesome. advice. It's a lot of pressure, but you know, it's cool that they <laughs> feel should, they can ask me about oh, it. Oh, you want to take out a giant loan and go yeah. to design school? You should do that. Yeah. Or you shouldn't <laughs> do that. Or I'm not totally sure. Yeah. I generally try and not be too prescriptive with that advice because sure. I don't want people to rely only on me. But you know, it's nice that they want to hear my thoughts. Yeah. And so have you intentionally 
you know, removed yourself from the other social media networks. I think one thing for me that's difficult with Death to Stock even is, yeah, you have certain channels where people are more responsive. It feels more like the people you want to be talking with. Mm. Um, and you also feel like it's just more of like a digital home for you. Like yeah. you know how it works. And then with new networks or networks you're not as comfortable on, there's this feeling of like, I have to be on there because like, yeah. I have to have a Facebook page because everybody has a Facebook page. Have you intentionally, um, you know, not use those platforms? Do you kind of let them just, you know, be on their own and not spend a lot of time on them? Like, what's your thought process around that? Well, I have a Facebook page, but I'm not very good at keeping it up to date. <laughs> I tried at one point. Same with Snapchat. I tried at one point. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy posting photos on Instagram, but I try to encourage Twitter as the main method of communication, like for people to contact me on because that's the one I enjoy using and that's the one I'm hanging out on. Yeah. Because I'm doing my YouTube channel is still a side project for me, right? And I, it probably always will be. I'm not interested in just making videos full time because I'm always going to be a designer first and foremost. And all those social networks, they can take up a lot of time in your life. And I didn't want them to be a burden and to add too much extra work, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe I could be growing faster if I was also Snapchatting every day and posting on Facebook every day and, you know, but I'm happy to grow slower and also have my sanity. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I saw firsthand when we were at the coffee shop, like you have a lot of stuff you're doing. Like, we started talking yeah. about it and it was, you know, you've got your own podcast, yes. which we can link to. You have your YouTube channel, which is twice a week. Yep. And you have work at ConvertKit, which is an email marketing company, and mm-hmm. you do all their design work. Yeah. So how have you found you know, that you balance that out? And maybe tie that in a little bit to this idea of consistency and schedules mm. and stuff, too, because I'm assuming that's part of what's behind it. Yeah, for sure. So I split up my, my day. I get up very early. I wake up at 530 most mornings. <laughs> Haven't been while I've been in LA. Are you early to bed yeah. too, or do you just not yeah. need sleep? Yeah. I, I try and get about maybe six to seven hours sleep okay. every weeknight and that's enough for the weeknight, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. I wake up at five 30 and then I have a few hours of my side project time. So it's nice and quiet in the morning and I just get to work on, you know, editing or designing merch or whatever it is I need to be working on that day before starting shifting over to my day job work. And having that split of, okay, this is a few hours of side project time is really good for me. It's almost like a mini work day for my side hustles. Sure. Yeah. And do you find it gives you energy for you the rest of your day too? Yeah. Like once you get through that batch of work, you're actually more energized for the work of the day? Yeah, I am. And also then I'm not thinking about it anymore and I'm not worrying about mm. it, right? And I can go about my day job, which I also really enjoy, uh, without thinking, you know, worrying about the side project stuff that I've not done yet because... Now that I've had this streak going, I'm sure you feel this too, of <laughs> yeah. meeting that monthly and for me meeting, meeting that every weekend posting a video, I don't want to break it. Yeah. And yeah, there's been times when it's come close and I've like been like, am I going to make it this week? And it's always becomes the most important thing just to make it happen. For sure. So, yeah. And I'm sure your subscribers will let you know if you were a little bit late oh, or yeah. if they're waiting on it and it's part of their week too. <laughs> and I think that's really interesting as well. What mm. is it that you think that the the subscribers connect to most? Obviously you're putting a lot of your personality into it. You're putting a lot of uh, design strategy and tactics just based on your experience. But is there a nuance to what makes the audience specifically like your, your channel? I don't know what it would be, but I think it is the, the, personality and the fact that I'm able to be vulnerable at times and like you said before let them know that I'm not 
an expert of this and, you know, talking down to them as if I've already made it and, you know, I'm giving them advice. I'm still on my journey. Sure. And so I'm in the perfect position to talk to them as a peer, I guess. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it sort of makes me think that, you know, with the celebrity culture on YouTube, maybe what's actually preventing a lot of people from finding success on YouTube is they see the people who are successful now and then they think I should start there. Mm. So, you know, I haven't actually seen a lot of YouTube celebrity videos, but <laughs> I did see a celebrity and I'm forgetting his name right now. He's from Cleveland. Okay. Um, got blonde hair at an in and out um, And his videos are nice house, nice car. And so mm. maybe people feel pressure to start there instead of starting where they actually are. Um, and yeah, I just think it's interesting that it's probably the honesty and vulnerability that brings people in. But when you see people at the top, you think you should emulate them where they are now, which is unrealistic. Yeah. And also they're already doing it. Yeah. And so if you copy them, I mean, they're already doing it and they've got a much bigger audience than you. So you're probably not going to succeed. Like Mm -hmm. just being honest, you've got to find your own personal spin on things. Yeah. And you probably get this question a lot. I'm sure this question gets asked a lot at the YouTube or VidCon Mm -hmm. conference, um, which is, yeah, how do I get started? And I think this sort of ties into our theme because multiple times I've tried to start with videos myself. Yeah. Uh, I've hit up friends who are videographers. Like I've had this urge to make videos. I actually asked you and we had a yeah. phone conversation about it, which I think spun out and became this podcast yeah, so actually, which is maybe part of this kind of narrative here. But you know, a lot of people will ask that question. How do I get started? One thing I've found that's been really helpful for me is one getting myself on a schedule, mm-hmm. but that first stretch of getting yourself going, like the first few weeks is so difficult. And so I find that if I actually, this is crazy, but if I buy like equipment, it really helps me get going. So Mm. before I started this podcast, I was like, I need to have a microphone and having the microphone will force me to do the, it's like an investment, right? And so as I'm sure you get this question a lot, like I want to start a YouTube channel, what should I do? What do you normally say? And why do you think people don't follow through there? Because I think it's, yeah. You know, I've been on the other side where I'm like, I want to do videos. And then like a month later, I haven't done anything. And then I, it's again, and then I haven't done anything. This is a good question. The thing that I tell people to start with is to figure out what they have to say. Like, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to be your thing? If you had to think of a tagline for your channel, or like how are you going to describe it to people? Because that's going to help you have something in mind to work from and to come up with ideas for your content. A lot of time people give the excuse that they don't have the right equipment yet. I like that you did go out and buy the microphone and just didn't think, oh, I can't start a podcast because I don't have the microphone. A lot of times I hear people saying, oh, yeah, I want to make videos, but I don't have a good camera yet. Or, you know, I want to make videos, but I don't have good lighting. I'm like, you've got an iPhone, you've got a window, done. Like, that's all you need to make videos. And a distribution channel that's amazing that people can find you on. Yeah, it's easy. You can just click upload. Anyone can. So I think that starting with figuring out what you want to say is is pretty important. Yeah, and that's a whole topic in itself. And so you develop, you know, I think, interestingly enough, having something to say is probably not something you have or don't have. It's probably something you develop. Mm. So, you know, if you if you want to figure out what it is you have to say, you probably have to spend time saying things mm. and, and getting yourself on that schedule and just doing it. And so um, I wonder if that's kind of part of it for people too is the next thing they'd say to your response is, well, what do I say? Yeah. And so, you know, how do they get started on figuring out what they have to say? Because it probably is a process over time you develop your voice. You know, I think you've honed in on what it is you like to talk about with mm. the stock. We have an opinion that has become more clear 
um, that we're able to communicate. And so how would one go about figuring out and getting momentum uh, having a voice? I think that kernel, I guess, to start and then they can build over time. Yeah, I think you need like a list of maybe like three to five ideas to start with of things that you could possibly talk about. For me, I think I might have hid this video as well if it wasn't the first one on my channel, but I made one about uh, advice for design students in hand in week, which was very specific to like my university that I went to. But still, because I, I know it's a stressful that, yeah. time when there's a bunch of projects due at once and you're not getting much sleep. And so I wanted to just share some advice for that. And because that had a time frame, like I had to get the video up beforehand in week, obviously, for it to be any, any use. I think that's what helped me start my channel. That's awesome. Uh, so I think you just need that, you know, those first few ideas, and then you'll find that other ideas spin off them. Like yeah. as you're even talking, as you're even making that video, often this, this happens so, to me. This is so key. Yeah. I, I think this is like the most important thing right here because the other thing is you were very specific. Yes. And if we get specific, everybody has something to say, right? Because you know what it's like to be at that one school or yeah. that one place, or you've watched that one movie 10 times more than everybody else on the planet, but it's scary to get specific. Mm. And I think maybe it's looking at three to five ideas, like you said, for what you might be able to talk about, but make those ideas ultra specific because yeah. that's where your unique take on the world is. Yeah, exactly. And I find that as I'm making a video, oftentimes I'll be like, whoa, this topic is way bigger than I thought. And this happens with my podcast as well called Design Life, which I have with a co-host. We'll be talking about a topic and realize that there's so much more left to unpack. And that gives us ideas for future episodes. Yeah. And yeah, same with videos. It gives me ideas for future videos. So building your voice is partly starting with something specific, something that you know. You know, maybe you could list out some ideas for yourself. Maybe you could ask your friends like, hey, what, what do I know about that nobody else seems to know about? Mm. You get some feedback from people. But then once you start, it's really, it builds and gives you new ideas. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And it's some, it has to be something you're passionate about as well. Because I feel like people can tell if you're not in love with the topic that you're talking about. And you'll come across as boring or bored, which is even worse. Sure. <laughs> you know, so when, when there's some passion behind it, I think that that makes it more engaging and more likely for people to stick around. Yeah, I'd love to hear about how that's translated to design work because, Mm. you know, so for our medium, it's uh, email, which is mostly written, or images, which is something you're seeing that's sort of static at the end of a production. And I think the passion that goes into creating them somehow translates through. Like, I don't know what you call it, but in when I'm writing in that place of passion, and I'm excited about it, or I'm doing photography or whatever it is, people can tell. And so do you find that with your design work, similar to being passionate on the podcast or in a video, people can tell when that's really there or not? I think, I don't know if the general public could tell, okay. but I can definitely tell when it's a project I'm passionate about, because it's one I'm going to get a better result on, pretty much, because I'm going to be more inspired to dig deeper and like try more iterations and really refine it and get get the good result in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So you're more willing to explore different yeah. edges, spend more time with it. And so you think even just the time spent because you're excited probably makes it a better product. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I have a personal belief that if you're excited and passionate, whether it's writing, uh, in any medium, there's something, you know, I don't know what it is, but that translates through and mm. makes people feel that. Um, I want to circle back to the meetup because oh, yeah. you took, uh, this audience you've built through comments and through the YouTube videos, um, and you brought them offline. I'm not sure if you've done that before. 
Um, but I just wanted to hear about how that went and yeah. what was different than what you expected um, when you decided to host it. Yeah. So I guess because of the YouTube celebrity culture, when I hear about meetups and when I've seen them in the past, it's mostly been a case of a line of people who take a photo with the YouTuber and have a hug, (laughs) say hi, and that's it, right? And I've never been interested in doing that sort of thing. You know, a lot of those things happen at VidCon and I've never signed up for them. Firstly, because my audience isn't really the type who goes to VidCon, (laughs) like not the majority of them anyway. And also because I'm not interested in that kind of like meet and greet situation. I wanted to bring people together to actually talk and like have a conversation like I do on Twitter and in the comments, but in real life. And so there was a few people who had contacted me and said, hey, you're in New York, let's meet up for coffee. And so instead of meeting them individually, I thought it might be cool to have them all meet together because if they all wanted to talk to me about something, then they're probably going to have stuff to talk to each other about as well. And that was what was really cool about the meetup. There was about eight to ten people who showed up, which was pretty cool. And we had lunch and we had conversation and it wasn't all about me, which is what I loved and I'd never want it to be a meetup all (laughs) about me. It was more that that all gathered in the spot because I'd facilitated it, but people were having great conversations with each other. and Yeah, yeah. it's it's really the last phase of community building, which is connecting the people in the community to each other instead of just like kind of the top down um, community. That's, That's really interesting where the people sort of what you expected? I mean, I know you've interacted with some of them before. Were they in the industries you expected? Did they have the backgrounds you expected? Or was that different? It, it was pretty diverse, to be mm-hmm. honest. There was a developer there. There was uh, a design designer who was going back to grad school. There was a designer who was just starting to freelance and, like, make it on his own. There was a whole range, and yeah. it wasn't... Some of them weren't even anything to do with design and code. They just liked the... I, I think that's yeah. more fun. I think yeah. it's more interesting. <laughs> we, we've seen that a little bit with Death to Stock, um, especially as of recently, where in the early days, we had this vision of who your customer is, which is mm-hmm. like, you know, for some reason, the image comes to mind. They have, like, two laptop screens, and like <laughs> a Wacom tablet, and they have, like, the beautiful camera and desk setup. And then you start talking to people, and it's like... Yeah, it's a mom, um, it's a knitting blogger, it's somebody um, in a different country like, you know, Russia and stuff like that. And it's, it's, I think it's way cooler. Yeah. Like, it's actually a better thing in my mind where I'm like, oh yeah, these are just real people. They're not like some stereotypical high-end designer or whatever it is. So yeah, I love that when we figure that out about our audience. Yeah, that's always super exciting. And I feel like it really inspires me to make more videos as well, hearing how all these people found my channel and why they watch it. It was great insights into what I should keep doing more of, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you sort of have a split topic, right? Because you've got some that are about you, one video that's more about you and your lifestyle, um, which was sort of what you wanted when you started the Mm. video. It's like, I want to see what these designers are doing all day. And then because you've built up this expertise, you know, you work for a fast growing startup, um, you're able to share some of those insights to the design side does that feel like a like you're getting pulled in two directions sometimes? It used to before. So it was only in about uh, I want to say September last year that I made the switch to only making videos about design. Before then, I was also talking about fashion. I was doing DIY like craft projects, and my vlogs because I worked for a company in an office. I couldn't really film during the day. It was mostly about what I did outside of work. You know, so it was more just the fun stuff in life or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love love now that I can film during the day and I can talk about my work because ConvertKit is very open. You know, work in public is one of our mottos. We like to share what we're learning as we're learning it and what we're doing. And so I'm able to share what I'm doing for work in my vlogs. 
And so I feel like now the two different types of content are much more closely aligned that I'm talking about learning to code and sharing my process for how I'm attacking the design of this specific page in my vlogs. And then also talking about design in the other videos too. And it's made me love what I'm doing much more yeah. that I'm able to just, I th that I've built this audience of people who are interested in hearing about all that nerdy stuff basically. <laughs> totally. And I don't feel the pressure that that's boring or whatever. And yeah, I just feel like I can be totally myself, which yeah. is really cool. And it was partly a schedule change that helped prompt that a little yes. bit. It was partly the alignment with you wanting a new job at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's interesting how you, as you were growing, you started figuring out more of who the people you wanted to talk to were, yeah. what the topics were you like to talk about, and then even where you wanted to work that was going to allow you the freedom to build the type of uh, you know, yeah. content you wanted um, and do the type of work you wanted. So it, it just also goes to show that when you're starting out, you're looking for your voice, you're trying to figure mm. out um, what you have to say, and you don't always know exactly what that is. I mean, you talked about uh, craft type stuff yeah. in the early days, but then as you grow, and I've definitely found this, I think this is one of the beautiful things about starting a side project um, and finding momentum on it, which is what this show is about, is slowly the rest of your life starts to change and align with it. And yeah. so it's like, oh, all my work in this area is going really great and I love it, but there's this one thing that's sort of off. What if I tweak that, my schedule, mm. um, whatever, so that now that element in my life is you know, coherent with all these other things as well. And so I think that to me is one of the key reasons probably to launch a YouTube channel or start a blog. Um, it's that you also figure out the parts of your life in other areas that you can align and then everything gets more fun. Yeah. And I've figured out that there's a bunch of, there's a few different things I need to feel creatively fulfilled. And one of them is teaching people. And I don't want to be a teacher as my job. Like that's not something that I think that I would enjoy because I also love the doing side. I need to be designing websites because that's something else that I need to feel fulfilled. And so having a day job where I'm designing websites and then able to teach about design and design concepts in a side project means that it makes just life in general more fun because I'm able to fulfill both of those things. For sure. And you yeah. get to hear your own voice a little bit more about what you want and what you don't want. Um, so is there, is there any part of you, I like asking this question to people yeah. because, uh, I think it's like you were saying, it's hard to know what other people do all day. Like what is really exciting to you during your week? And like, what is really difficult? And do you have days that are just like, you don't feel inspired? You don't feel like you can make that video? Like, I guess like talk about the high and low a little bit, if you yeah. don't mind. Okay. So sometimes I get bogged down in like the mundane tasks where it's like editing the video if it's just one where I'm sitting talking to the camera, that feels like just grunt work that I have to go through and cut out the right bits. That's not overly fun for me because I don't, I don't feel like it's very creative. Uh, and also just the general life admin things that you always have to do, like getting sorted out your bank account or whatever. <laughs> uh, recently I've been setting up a limited liability company to work through. And so mm -hmm. there's been a lot of paperwork and talking to accountants and that's something I'd rather not be doing. Right. But you have to. You've got to make sure that your life is in order and you can't ignore those boring things because they're important too. So, yeah, those are, those are the low points, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's, like, the best part of your week? Like, when, when you have a day that's just, like, going killer, what does that look like? It depends on what mood I'm in that day, I think. Lately, I've been really enjoying coding. It's something that I've oh, picked up this year. And, uh, yeah, being able to code the websites that I design, I'm finding really fun. And so a day that I'm working on web design in particular is, is always going to be awesome. 
Uh, sometimes I get really into editing vlogs as well and timing things with the music mm. and, and having fun with that. Yeah. That's amazing. And are you going to talk about the coding experience on your videos coming up? Yes. Uh, I'm planning a video where I talk about my process of learning to code and, you know, the, the ways I've been learning, the methods I've been using and services I've been using to learn from. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending the time. I was so glad we got to meet up again and hang out. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of end with or talk about? I'm happy to let you pitch some of the stuff that you're working on right now. Um, I think I just want to tell people that if you've got an idea for a side project, you shouldn't wait on it. Like you shouldn't wait to be in the perfect situation to get going. If I'd waited to have a remote job to be able to start my YouTube channel, I would have had to wait until last December to start it. I wouldn't have had that you know, four years or three and a half years of experience that I have now. So don't wait and just start, I think. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And people can find you on YouTube, Charlie Marie TV. Yes, that's right. And, and our podcast is Design Life. You can just search that on iTunes or Overcast, whatever you use. And that's a show where myself and my friend Femke talk about life as designers and the struggles that we face. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. I'm so glad we got to chat. Me too. And yes, yeah, see each other again one last time before you head back. Yep. Um, so thanks again. And I'll link everything up in the show notes. Thanks for being here. Uh, leave a review or a comment and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks so much.